Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. The day has come to identify new opportunities where you can have independent, informed, and objective financial guidance customized to you with clear and transparent advice that is solely in your best interest. Your host, KT Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services and Lead Wealth Advisor at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning, estate planning, investment management, insurance planning, tax strategies, and employee benefits. With more than 25 years of experience, she is joined by Tammy Simons, Director of Advice Services and Wealth Advisor with more than 10 years of experience. New Day Solutions has a highly credentialed team with three advisors holding their CFPs, two of them holding their SEMA certificates. New Day Solutions is a female-run boutique firm dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. At New Day Solutions, we work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals and your financial planning goals. New Day Solutions is a fee-only practice, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Their only objective is to make the best possible financial decisions with you. Fair and transparent financial advice from New Day Solutions. It's time to refresh your thinking when it comes to choosing a firm to serve as your trusted investment partner. Reach out to Katie and Tammy today for a free consultation or go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. Hi, and welcome back to KT's Money Matters. This is KT Thomas, helping you take your financial ideas and break them into solutions that you can make money with each and every day. One of the goals of the podcast is really to make sure that we have information available to the Money Matters community about a variety of financial topics and how you might be able to take little pieces of what we talk about and turn them into something that you can either use as your you know, side hustle to make a little money on the side, or if you're actually thinking about launching a new business, how you might think about do that, or if you're thinking about saving for retirement, how you really think about how much you need to save and how you need to invest it, but a variety of topics to help people just be a little bit more in touch with their money and think about how they might help them use it to get what they need, because after all, money's not the end, but the means to the end. And so today, I have Christina Martini, who is here with us today, and She does a certain level of legal practice that I think is going to be really important to the Money Matters community. So she practices both domestic and international trademark and copyright law. So often I have people say to me, you know, what if I come up with this idea? How do I make sure that I protect it? How do I license it? And today with technology and social media, there's a lot of stealing of other people's ideas. So she talks quite a bit about um, copyright infringement and how to help people make sure that they both control and own the things that they develop to make money doing it. So Christina, who goes by Tina, has a long resume and has been, you know, has a practice out of Chicago. 
and has been named, you know, one of Chicago's most influential minority lawyers. And also in 2017, she got the prestigious uh, Anti-Defamation League Women of Achievement Award. And as many of you know, as the author of The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, I so love a woman who makes her way in business and can figure out how to do these things. So Tina, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. So you've built yourself quite a niche. I mean, you have a lot of things going on, including, you know, a podcast yourself, and then you're also doing quite a bit of writing. And of course, you work full time as a lawyer. And, um, and then you're starting to also launch another business. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I actually, um, you know, I, I would say that my business really is practicing law. And so I've been practicing law for 25 years for a large global firm and uh, really love what I do. As you mentioned, I practice in the area of intellectual property law with an emphasis on trademark and copyright law and different disciplines that sort of go with that. And obviously with the way that technology has evolved, as you mentioned, um, there are a lot of issues that I deal with that are on the internet as well as through social media and deal with technology. Um, I also, as you mentioned, uh, really enjoy thought leadership. And I would say that sort of my side business, which really helped I, I use to leverage into my practice is the podcast that I've developed over the past several months. It's called Paradigm Shift. And it's really about um, taking a look at the practice of law and um, what law impacts um, through a business lens. And so that is actually the second foray into podcasting that I've done. I actually have a show that I do through WGN Radio with a co-host that is called Legal Faceoff. Um, uh, Rich Lankoff and I talk twice a month about various um, legal topics, usually hot topics in the area of sports, news, entertainment, and politics, um, where we always look at it through the context of the law. And so my side business, so to speak, is actually something that really is um, all about helping me continue to develop my legal practice, which I've had a lot of fun working in this area of intellectual property for the past 25 years and um, plan to continue to do that. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, in intellectual property? I think one of the things that that's happened over the last few years, especially with technology, is that there is so much pillaging of other people's stuff and rebranding it and calling it your own. Is there a way for people to, you know, take action if they feel like these kinds of things have happened? What should people do? Well, that's a great question. Um, and, and there are a lot of different things that folks can do. But first and foremost, I would say that if folks are developing something, um, you know, usually it starts with an idea. Um, and depending on what they are developing, whether it's something that could be subject to patent law, for example, um, they, they, they develop some sort of a gizmo or, you know, like they design an actual invention. Um, that would some, be something that could potentially be protectable under patent law. If they develop some sort of a written work that one would ordinarily think of as an artistic work, then that means it usually is subject to some sort of copyright law. Um, and then if they're developing a brand, um, which usually whenever you go to market with something, whether it's a product or service, you need to have a brand that is tied to it. And that's a, a lot of what I do, um, both uh, U.S. as well as uh, foreign work. Um, you need to make sure that you think about how you're going to brand that product or service. And that is usually subject to trademark law. So what I would recommend is that if you are developing something, um, you, you think about reaching out to an attorney early 
if for nothing else to help you map out the point at which you have developed something that is protectable. And then you need to think about what type of product or service you're going to have and when you're going to market it and where you're going to market it, meaning in terms of geography, is it just in the US or is it going to be potentially outside of the US as well? And who you're going to market it to? And these are all really critical questions because these are the questions that drive what you need to do to protect yourself. There are certain areas of the world where you have to file for protection before you get any protection. Uh, particularly like just taking, for example, the trademark side of things and the branding side of things, most countries, if you don't file to protect yourself first before you use it in a particular country, then you are subject to potentially losing your, um, your developed brand to somebody else who files first. So my recommendation would be to consult with an attorney early so that they can help you map out when you need to protect yourself, how much it's going to be, and what the most cost-effective way is to protect yourself so that when you see somebody infringing your rights, you have a mechanism to go after them. So, you know, I'll tell you, it must, I'm sure, Tina, given the line of work that you do, that it happens to you all the time. People have these ideas about this thing that nobody else is thinking about, and then they just don't even know where to take it. They go, you know, I have this really great idea, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to tell everybody because I don't want anybody to steal it, but I'm not even sure where I go with this. If you come up with some like niche idea about something in technology or, you know, something in, um, you know, something in the way you use a product, what should be the first thing that they should do? They should, who should they contact right away? What kind of an attorney and how would they find a, a good attorney for that kind of a reference? Well, that's a great question. I would say that if you're trying to figure out whether something you've developed is protectable, more often than not, it's an intellectual property attorney that you need to contact. And I would say that you can um, start by, um, you know, talking to your network. Um, I think a lot of folks out there, even before I became an attorney, I was very fortunate to either know attorneys on my own, either folks that I, I grew up getting to know or people that I knew through other people in my network, that's usually a really great way to, um, to start. And if for nothing else, if, if, if that does not help you, you may want to talk to people that you work with. Um, every business um, usually has either folks within it that needed, have needed lawyers, no lawyers, and so forth. Um, but I would definitely start with an intellectual property lawyer. Um, who can help you figure out first and foremost, whether you have something that's protectable. And, and number two, and just as importantly, sometimes you develop something or you think of something that you don't think anybody else has ever thought of before, maybe because you've never seen it out there. One of the jobs of an intellectual property lawyer is to help you figure out whether you're infringing somebody else's rights. There are certain searches that um, an intellectual property lawyer will do and it's either in the patent space or the copyright space or the trademark space. They will help you figure out whether you really are the first person to develop it or whether if you decide to try to develop it, um, whether you could be infringing somebody else. And so getting that counsel early is important so that you don't start going down the wrong path and potentially wasting time and a lot of money developing something that may actually be something that somebody else already owns. You know, that's an excellent point. I think that people think that they're the only one that ever thought of this, but sometimes there are people out there that have already <laughs> done this. They've already said, listen. You don't know how many times I've heard, oh, I've never seen this before. This is fantastic. I've never, you know, this is going to be my, 
my claim to fame. And I'm like, okay, 10 people have come up with this. That's right. This has been talked about a lot. Maybe not with you, but it has been talked about before. So first is you want to be realistic. But when you think about, you know, you talk a little bit about, um, you know, I was just thinking about our pre-conversation we talked about the idea of um, keeping yourself in the black every month. A lot of the Money Matters listeners dream of being self-employed. And, you know, I've been self-employed for a long time. And I'm sure that a lot of, you know, you've been self-employed yourself. Um, But the idea about how you keep yourself in the black every month and how you keep on track and how you make sure, you know, daily that you're doing all the things that are helping you advance. I think that people would find a lot of interest in that. Well, I think that's a terrific question. And I'd say that it's a few things that I've tried to do. And I, I think back now just to um, what I have to do from a discipline standpoint month by month, because I'm a partner in a, in a law firm, which means that as being a partner, my cash flow is a bit different than maybe folks that work in corporate America. So for example, with respect to the partnership arrangement, I only get a, a relatively small fraction of what my annual quote salary is. And as part of a partnership, um, what I end up getting at the end of the year is based on how well we do and making sure that we pay our other bills first, like our employees and our vendors and so forth. And then whatever's left over is what's spread among the partners in the partnership. So if we have a great year and beat budget, then we get more than what we expected. But then obviously the converse is true, meaning that if for some reason we don't make budget, then everybody else gets paid their salaries, but the partners get you know, whatever fraction of, you know, the budget that we make. Whatever's so, left over. <laughs> exactly. And so what that means is from a cash flow perspective, and this is a little bit different than what I was used to when I worked for corporate America during college and law school, which means that on a month to month basis, first of all, I have to pay quarterly taxes because I'm considered self-employed. Um, but I also get a relatively small portion of what my quote salary is meaning that what I see on a month to month basis is not all that different from what I saw 15, 20 years ago when I was a more junior lawyer. So I have to make sure that I um, watch my, my cash flow on a monthly basis. Um, and also, I just think that it's important to make sure that you maintain a focus and understand that um, you know, you only have as much money as you've got. And so you don't want to spend beyond your means. It's important to stay focused. It's important to make sure that what enables you to get that cash flow in the door, particularly from a business development perspective, that you keep the pipeline robust with respect to those clients and potential clients that enable you to make the money that you need to make to accomplish what you want to accomplish financially. So it's focus, it's determination, it's not trying to keep up with with the Joneses, but it's making sure that you live within your means. So, you know, you you made a really good point. One of the things I've been hearing a lot about lately in, um, I've been sort of tagging into that um, FI community, which is uh, financial independence, the idea of young people really trying to figure out, you know, who they'll be financially and how they think about money. And one of the things they talk about is lifestyle creep a lot, which is this idea that the more you make, the more you spend, the more you make, the more you spend, therefore you need to make more, make more, make more. And a lot of times what happens is, you know, they'll have you running for the rest of your life until you're in the ground, um, trying to make more money and grow more things. But, and, and what I know is one of the things you always talk about is being realistic about your objectives and what it is that you're trying to do. And so can you talk a little bit about how you stay grounded and how you kind of avoid that lifestyle creep and make sure that you're, you're doing the things that make sense for you? 
Sure. You know, it, it's a great question because, um, so being an, an attorney in a law firm, um, especially a large law firm, there are many different types of lawyers of all different vintages, um, all different lifestyles and so forth. And so um, I have some colleagues, I mean, we, we make a very nice living, don't get me wrong. I guess sort of my idea of what is enough is sometimes not in alignment with what some other folks' ideas of what's enough really is. I only have one house, for example. I love my house. We're in the middle of remodeling it right now. We've, we've had it for 15 years. We have held off on doing some major renovations with respect to our kitchen that, frankly, we should have done it many years ago. I mean, the kitchen really needed to be done. And I, I mentioned this because um, there are some folks that I know who said there's no way, no how they would have ever been able to live in my house with the kitchen <laughs> that we had. And, it's, and it was just one of those things where, yes, I know financially we could have done the kitchen many years ago. But it was just one of those things where I sort of come at life, even though I'm very blessed to have the wonderful job and the lifestyle I have, I really try to look at it from the mindset of how I grew up, um, how the rest of my family is doing, how many of my friends are doing. And while it's tempting to say, oh, maybe we should get a second house or, oh, maybe we should go buy a boat or maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. And it's fun to hang out with my friends that have all those things. Um, at the end of the day, for me, it's being able to go to sleep at night knowing that I'm not living beyond my means and actually well within my means. And God forbid, if you know I needed to make a radical change tomorrow and do things very differently, I would have a cushion within which to be able to do that. And I, if I needed to, I would be able to sell certain things and be able, and I would still be okay. Those are the sorts of things that I think about when I think about what to do with my money and um, being realistic with my goals. And I know some of my friends will say to me, you know, you could go out and buy a much bigger house or you could, you know, go out and have, you know, two vacation homes. And it's just, th that that's just never been who I am. And, and frankly, I grew up with nothing financially, and I'm happy to get into that in more detail about what that did in terms of affecting my mentality. But again, being able to go to sleep at night, knowing that I will be okay, if for some reason the world turned on its head, that to me is the most important thing. You know, it's funny that you say that. Being a financial advisor, I was, you know, my family's first college graduate, and I sort of hear a lot of this same theme as you and I are talking. And what I'll say to you is that I never, I never feel like I should, um, I should out lifestyle my income. And I know a lot of people who do it and do it all the time and are totally comfortable with the idea of, you know, the the very big mortgage and the very big responsibility for this and the two lease payments and this and that and the whole other thing. And it's like I just. I couldn't live like that. I'm just not comfortable like that. It really doesn't matter how much income comes in because it's a sense of, you know, what happens if it all changed tomorrow? Could I really, could I really still pull it all off or would I have to start, you know, yard selling my stuff, which I really am opposed to? Yes. And I, um, you know, it, it's interesting. I think a lot of it is because uh, my mother died when I was a senior in high school and it was a relatively sudden, pretty catastrophic event for my family. Sure. And for my father in particular, from a financial standpoint, because um, our family insurance didn't cover all of the expenses associated with my mother's six-week illness. And the upshot is it was a catastrophic financial 
emotional, every type of thing you can imagine, understandably. Um, but it was from a financial perspective, that was a, a, a huge event that was not planned for financially that really ended up be, just being incredibly difficult for my father. And it took him many years to recover from it. And I, I bring that up because seeing that through the eyes of a 16-year-old child, which is who I was when my mother passed away, that was a lesson that I will always take with me that in addition to um, the emotional turmoil that that presented to me, um, it was losing my college funding um, in the process and having to very quickly um, figure out how I was going to support myself at 16 um, and figure out how I was, I was going to pay for college and law school that um, really sort of the, the take-home message for me was um, understand that life sometimes throws you a curveball and you don't know what's going to happen and you need to be nimble and you need to try to do your best to position yourself in a way that if God forbid something like that happens, you're able to recuperate and you're able to go on and you're able to make the most of what could be very difficult circumstances. Right. I always say to people, you know, sometimes life comes at you hard. Uh-huh. You know, you don't, you don't see it coming and then all of a sudden there's a big change and then you really have to be able to decide how you're going to adapt and survive. And I think that that's, that can be really difficult. And the further down, you know, the lifestyle curve you are, the more difficult that is because you're now, you know, you're getting rid of things that you've, you've, you know, I always say the lifestyle you become accustomed to and, um, you know, and you need to be able to pull that back when it makes sense. And I think sometimes, you know, uh, uh, you know, I see people that, that, that spend so much income that, you know, the idea of retirement and replacing that kind of pre-retirement income means that, you know, they'd have to have a huge amount of assets saved because they've really been spending, you know, almost all or all of everything they've been making most of their lives. And so you can't really stop working if that's the the situation that you're in. You really you have to have figured out um, how you set some of it aside. And, you know, this isn't a quick talk about retirement planning, but, you know, obviously these things all tie together, right? So financiality yes. and making sure that you are not, you know, not living beyond what you're capable of of making and saving for your various goals. Um, but, right. but can we talk a little bit about um, your amazing achievements? Let's talk a little bit about being both a minority and a woman in a, you know how I said this before, the white guys with ties world <laughs> and, um, and how you've had so much success. What, do you, what would you attribute your amazing success to in your career? Well, you're, you're very kind. Thank you for, your, for, your, for what you said and for your compliments. Um, you know, I would say that a lot of it is my family, um, you know, just getting back to basics. I don't really think of myself as being all that terrific. You know what I mean? I just, I try to go out there every day and do the best I can, um, both professionally as well as personally. And what that means to me is in the context of what I do for a living, being a lawyer, I don't think it's a coincidence that I chose being a lawyer because I think being a great lawyer is not just about being a great, you know, a, a great advocate for your clients and trying to help them, um, you know, fulfill whatever dreams or aspirations they may have from a business perspective as, as much as you can. But it's also about making a difference in the world and um, helping people who are not as fortunate and paying it forward. And so, 
I, I really look at how I grew up. I, you know, I grew up in a house uh, of, you know, four children, parents that were very loving. We didn't have a lot of money, but there was a lot of love growing up and um, had terrific parents who really valued education. And above all else, they, they made a lot of sacrifices to make sure that my, my three brothers and I all had great educations. And I think that that's really sort of the fundamental um, framework and foundation that I come back to is making a difference for people who I see from, you know, as an adult who aren't as fortunate as I am and trying to be for them what my parents and other mentors were for me growing up. And so what I try to do is is create a life where I am doing that as much as I can in addition to my full-time job. And um, there there is so much um, wonderful talent out there and people who are meant to be great things in the world. And I think it's incumbent upon us, those of us who are in a position to help people, to realize their potential. I think it's really critical that we all jump in and do what we can to help these folks. Well said. Amen. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's true. I couldn't agree more. Tina, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. I know that we have another appointment scheduled to talk a little bit more about, you know, the hardworking woman's guide to money from (laughs) from the perspective of us hardworking women. Um, But I want, but uh, I want to thank you for taking time to talk to us a little bit about the intellectual property business and how people might think about it. If people wanted to reach out to you, how might, how might they be able to connect you? Well, they can always look for me on um, social media. I have a Twitter, a Twitter account. My handle's at Tina Martini 10. I also am on LinkedIn. And if folks would like to reach out to me by email, they can always email me at Christina Louise Martini at gmail.com. Perfect. Oh, and one other thing, Katie, yes. if um, folks want to check out my my um, my podcast, it's uh, called Paradigm Shift with Christina Martini, and um, it's available through C-Suite Radio, and folks can also contact me through my website, which is um, ParadigmShiftShow.com. Perfect. Tina, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.